0: This is is Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I hope that sports aren't all about the Benjamins, but I fear maybe we're getting to that point. Welcome back, Nuwanez Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Missing in the first hour, all sorts of prep football talk and just other prep news as well. Uh, we gave you our 10 most fun storylines from around the world of high school football. We'll hear from Ian Laird, play-by-play man, for both Bozeman High and Bozeman Gallatin. They had a one versus two clash on Friday night. Bozeman High remains the last undefeated team in Class AA after their 24 17 win over their crosstown rival. We also gave our vertical raise, Class AA Player of the Week, got to Quade Ash of Bozeman High for spearheading that victory. We also had our Treasure State stars, some of the best individual performances from across the sporting world. All of it on the Nuan Is Now podcast probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where their all is all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. In studio with us now, Justin Angle. It's the Business Angle, the overlay between business and sports. Justin, a professor at the University of Montana Business School and kind enough to join us every couple weeks to talk about all the uh, different elements of business, money, and the sporting world. Uh, first of all, Andrew was trying to explain to us something about there's an NFL game with some toy store. Neither one of us has heard of the idea. So we have no idea. So we can't even do any commentary on it other than it sounds just so totally 2023 and totally strange. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to really have <laughs> man. But, but We've known about this for 17
2: seconds. But so. the, uh, <laughs> the basic premise, it sounds like a way to represent football in a way that's compelling to different audiences Right. And so the NFL's got It's in a growth phase. It has to continue to think about how to grow its customer base. And a way to do that is to bring in people that haven't watched football before. And you could if you can
0: translate your characters into
2: a different substrate, might be might be a good way to do it.
0: (laughs) So the gist is that the game in London that they're going to do, which all the players and coaches hate, is going to also have like a rendition of Toy Story characters. Replicating the movements on the field. I don't know. My mind is blown. I can't even wrap my head around any of that. Speaking of expanding uh, customer base for the NFL, though, somehow, someway, the NFL just keeps getting these windfall moments no matter what happens. And I'm not even so sure that any of this is actually real. That's just because I'm so cynical. Right. But if you've been following the Chickadoes No Sports, Carolyn's been keeping us up to date with Taylor Swift and her dating history and her dating uh, contemporary uh, life, and uh, now at least it seems Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, the the uh, starting tight end for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. This is hilarious from a business and marketing standpoint, though, because the Chiefs game was the biggest stinker of the weekend. They were up forty-one nothing in yeah. the third quarter. We turned it. We turned it over to the Cowboys game. Uh, not everybody else changed the channel. 24 million additional people watched this game. They said Travis Kelsey's jersey sales are up 400% in the first two days of this week. Yeah, the Swifties. This is wild, right? Like, this is why I think that there's some sort of, uh, something uh, fishy around here. Because the only thing that the NFL could do to get a whole new audience that's more popular than the NFL would be to add Taylor Swift to the equation, right? I mean, this is crazy. It's like the the two biggest entertainment entities in America right now merging.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of symptomatic of the culture we're in, right? Like size begets size and the amount of power and market power that accumulates to the superstars is the driving force of how much of economic outcomes are determined across our society. And what you see with Taylor Swift is an entertainer who is able to Amass such share of the market space, whether it's the concert dollars or the record sales or uh, the, the social media presence. She is such a superstar. She's accumulated a ton of power the, the NFL has done the same. Right, and so mm-hmm. the only way that either institution can really grow at a meaningful scale is to partner with one or the other. You got you got to partner with size to to grow at the rate you need to grow to to satisfy your shareholders, so to speak.
0: The craziest part about this is that Patrick Mahomes is uber famous. Like mm-hmm. he's certainly very famous. Taylor Swift is like so many more times famous yeah. than than Patrick Mahomes that that's the crazy part is i think that sometimes sports fans get stuck in their own little heads and they're thinking well wow, man you pair patrick mahomes and taylor swift it's not even comparable very few people learned about patrick mahomes this or i should say, i should say very few people learned about taylor swift via patrick mahomes vice versa all sorts of people who probably had no idea who Patrick Mahomes is now they kind of do, and they kind of know who Travis Kelsey is because of Taylor Swift sitting in the box.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, if you look at you know how <laughs> huge a superstar in the sports world Tom Brady is and was, right? But his wife at the time, Gisele Bundchen, was. You know, much more market power, much, much more, more media right. presence, much more income, and so times ten. Yeah, I mean, it, it just you sort of you widen the aperture, right? And the NFL, in order, like we said before, they're they're giant within the sports landscape and the cultural landscape, but to, to to widen their aperture, they have to go upstream into you know areas like a Taylor Swift and those sorts of partnerships.
0: It, it, I also find it hilarious, and again, this is just me being cynical but Travis Kelsey certainly gained a lot of fame on his own lately I mean he and his brother have their podcast he already had his like bachelor like show that was you know kind of a flop but it kind of got him out of the football realm and into the pop culture realm and his he and his brother have his have their podcast and he's, he's had a fair amount of endorsements but now there's a lot of Travis Kelsey commercials on television and you have to wonder if some of this is just like a a partnership or something between he and T-Swift. Oh, and like know.
2: a manufactured right. arrangement by their PR agents. I, I think, you know, th- that theory seems totally plausible <laughs> to me. Like they're going to show up as a couple on the cover of People magazine or Us Weekly right, and, right? you know, figure out a new merch concept or whatever it is. Yeah, these things seem very kind of curated <laughs> for the public.
0: We're going way too far into the gossip column. We A little bit of all of this... Uh, it, it, We'll get to more of this later on with Carolyn. I wanted to bring it up not because of anything that has to do with Taylor Swift, other than Taylor Swift's impact on the marketability of the already existing Super Bowl champions and the, uh, I mean, this is a windfall win for Travis Kelsey in the short term. I just wonder what happens when they break up and she writes a whole album about him, and then he's you know heartbroken. If it's real relationship, this is definitely on the, it seems on like the nothing, docket. No, it seems like nothing but upside for Kelsey <laughs> at this point. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The is now ESPN Radio. It's the business angle with Justin Angle here. Uh, let's talk about some actual, real, tangible business in sports. Sure. First of all, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. And, and this is... This is something we've actually talked about several times, but it was just sort of speculation and theory, and now they're actually talking about doing this. So for those who've been following along, the Pac-12 is now sitting there as the Pac-2. I think that they have to maintain that because of the NCAA saying they're going to lose their basketball shares. I didn't realize that the NCAA basketball shares and all the money that's in the coffers from basketball in the Pac-12 was the numbers that they are. I mean, you're talking like $60 million. A lot of money. I mean, and then there's another $100 million from all the different payouts and stuff. They have to maintain that money somehow. So, though, we've talked about, does the Pac-12 go and just pillage the Mountain West? Do they just absorb the entire Mountain West? Well, now the Mountain West and the Pac-12, they're, the, I guess the, I should not say the Pac-12, the, the people from Washington State and Oregon State and a lot of the teams in the Mountain West have been talking about this proposal for maybe a relegation model uh, when it comes to college football out West. What do you think of this?
2: Well, I mean, we've talked about the concept of relegation before. The relegation model, I think, has a lot of positives, right? It, It creates games that are of higher stakes, and it creates a system of kind of making sure that there's good faith competition at all levels of the league and there's real enforcement mechanism. Right. Now the question is, can it exist within a single conference within a bigger system? Sure. And, you know, the question, a bunch of questions there, right? Like can this thing exist within the current structure of how TV deals are done and, you know, will schools want to participate when there's that much uncertainty, right? The schools right now are trying to create as much certainty with their revenue streams as they can. Totally. A relegation model, you know, it could create some certainty, it, but the relegation itself is a bit of a hammer. So that can be a problem. The other thing too is like how appealing is this to a recruited athlete? Mm-hmm. right like if there's a chance that mm-hmm. you, you don't, if there's a chance your team gets relegated right. are you going to even look at those lower tier teams in the conference because there's you, you don't want to take that chance of having of like starting your career in, in one media market and having that media market evaporate now the transfer portal is a whole nother mechanism to exactly. avoid some of that risk as a right. player but still you might just want to wash your hands of it from the start
0: it, it is so i never thought of that element what like, what happens if you go to washington state and then all of a sudden washington state's not one of the front runners in this proposed tiered conference they're all of a sudden not and then all of a sudden instead of playing in Corvallis and and san diego and you know these other places you know wyoming and all of a sudden then you're playing in ogden utah or something and it's just a totally different
2: deal the whole thing kind of all folds in on itself if we like (laughs) add relegation and the transfer portal (laughs) and nil it's like these players just move to whatever school is not relegated <laughs> you know then you t- we're going to talk about colorado at some stage but sure. it's like a team can perform reasonably well with 50 out of its 70 players being transfers like who knows what happens in a model like this on
0: the uh, on the the plus side the benefit side i think that the i think that Washington State and Oregon State are painted into a corner here. They would never, ever do this unless it was Desperate Times, but this is Desperate Times. they they got to figure out a way to maintain. So what's the incentive for
2: them to do this, though? Like, It's not clear to me why this model of merging with the Mountain West is a better model for all the players.
0: Rather than... just recruit yeah, the Mountain West. Why not just rebuild do it? the Pac twelve? Yeah, exactly. Why not right. just
2: merge with the Mountain West and have a new conference? Well, see, I think call it whatever you call it, but not the relegation.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the number one thing is that they have to find a way to fit into the, the broadcasting landscape sure. here. What's gonna happen, I think, is the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve are gonna snatch up the three biggest television and or streaming dollars sure. that exist. How do you then combat that and get some form of a piece of the pie? This unique model might be something where if you got 30 schools together and you made it a two or three team or two or three tier rather relegation system, I think that's the 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 benefits for it. You're erasing the fact that Corvallis is a 60,000 person town and Pullman's a you know whatever 14,000. The schools are bigger than the towns right. when it comes to Oregon State and Washington State. And then you're also sort of leveling the playing field a little bit by getting all these media markets together. Like, I guess the, the number one thing, the way to make the most money, I think, would be for them to have like this 30-team conglomeration of specific streaming where everybody that's affiliated with, they're getting money from all 30 teams in the conference.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking 30 teams, like that's a bit of a breakaway entity rather than than a conference. So if it can be at that size and scope, then it becomes a a little bit of a distinct entity. Um, If it's just a single conference, though, it doesn't seem to be be that compelling to compete for the remaining dollars in the market space relative to those power five conferences you mentioned a moment ago.
0: I guess that's right. I mean, if, if you are Oregon State, Washington State, probably San Diego State, some of these Boise State, maybe th- this is probably not that appealing to you. If you're North Dakota State, though, it's probably very appealing to you Like because North Dakota State, nobody will invite them in because nobody wants to have Fargo, North Dakota in the media. They don't, that media market's not a draw. North yeah. Dakota State's been so good. If North Coast State could get into something like this, though, then they could play their way up and really prove it. And yeah, I think it's probably way more appealing to the the schools that have no taste of this yet than the ones that are trying to hang on for dear life. I think we're, we're
2: going through this phase of generally consolidation. Like, that's mm-hmm. the macro trend that's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. across a lot of our economy in general, but in sports in particular, and so I just don't see a world where, you know, the Boise's, uh, Boise states, the Washington states, the Oregon states have enough incentive to be inclusive of the North Dakota states and these, these, these little folks. And these little folks trying to get a piece of the bigger pie, they're just going to get crowded out. And, I mean, I, I think we, we're seeing that across the board. And, and we talked we've talked extensively about the decline of the linear cable bundle. Sure. And it just seems like there's there's going to be less money in the system, mm-hmm. right? And with less money in the system,
0: it, I think football programs, some football programs are going to go away. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think when the dust settles, and I think this is going to take a lot longer than a lot of people think sure. it's going to. But I think when the dust settles, you're going to have these... I, I think it's just going to be a cut and dry line. I think if you're a 75 million or more revenue producing football program, you'll be in this top tier. Mm-hmm. then the next you know 35 to 65 million dollar budgets will be in this next tier and then the ones that are you know 10 to 30 million dollars will be in that tier and if you can't figure out a way to have a 10 million plus dollar budget, you're gonna just gonna go away. I mean for a
2: university president, you'd probably look at it like this is not worth the headache
0: Totally. And we also talking to Bruce Barnum, the head coach of Portland State, earlier today. They had to schedule North American University to get a home football game, else right. they would have had to play a 10-game schedule because they can't, they truly, they have to play Oregon and Wyoming to get a check. Yeah. And the only way they're going to get anybody to come to Portland because they don't have any money to pay anybody, mm-hmm. is they have to schedule this like basically non-existent NAIA school right. from the, I mean, this school is literally in a formerly foreclosed upon holiday inn in the <laughs> suburbs of houston it's not even possible that this is a school the football program and this is not in the spirit of competition i mean yeah, you and i could make that team i mean that's, right? no we, we would we would be stars on this team man i mean they were literally they they were up 91 nothing going into the fourth quarter oh my and coach barnum said man i in the spirit of competition i'm not going to score 100 points on a team yeah. i'm not going to do that yeah. that's not i do not want to be on the national news for running it up on this team that we, we shouldn't be it's on the same anyone, yeah we shouldn't right? be on the same field together right and, and that's a scenario though where now the money is crushing just the existence of certain places like that
2: yeah i mean that's i think that's how this sort of thing plays out the uh, you know the remaining money in the system accrues to the big powers we're seeing that clearly and there's this mad scramble for the folks in the middle to not get left behind And then there's going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be this shakeout period where there's a certain number of schools that can't get a media deal. Uh, A football program in particular is is expensive to run relative to other sports. Just the number of coaches and equipment facilities you have to maintain at a high level. And I think schools will look at the trade-off and say, it's just not worth it to have football if you're not at a certain level. It's such a big um it's such a powerful economic force for a university, but it has to be of a certain size to be able to provide that benefit.
0: Well, there's always been this notion that your athletic department's the front porch of your university. It's yeah. this great marketing tool. I think that's absolutely still true in the SEC. Sure. I mean, Florida and, and Ole Miss and Arkansas and Georgia and Alabama, They they are absolutely getting more students because yep. they have a great college experience and there's the tailgates mm-hmm. and all this stuff. The, the further down the road you go, though, the, I think the less and less that—I mean, I, I, I've seen it, in my personal opinion, Wayne at the University of Montana. I still think there is a a draw and a necessity sure. for the Grizz to have a football team when it comes to spreading the brand around the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was in college, there was quite literally thousands of kids that came to school here because they saw the Grizz on ESPN. Right. I think it's still a bonus for the kids, and I think it's still a good part of the student body experience, but I don't know how many kids are saying, hey, I'm going to the University of Montana because that team is awesome, and that's what I want to do is go to Grizz Games. Well, I, I think maybe at the local level, it's hard you know, to quantify. If we're talking
2: about a, a sure. statewide yep. Yep. Um, market for students or yep. even a regional market for students. Um, It'd be interesting to see too, like University of Montana and University of Colorado Boulder are not necessarily peer institutions, right? but there is this, like the profile of an an out-of-state student who would go to CU Boulder is similar to the sort of -of out-of-state student that we try to attract here at the University of Montana. So if you have a resurgence in their football program and the popularity of that university, will that Steal some out-of-state student share from places like, you know, Montana State and, and the University of Montana. I don't know.
0: Uh, well, and and uh, perception is reality sometimes, right? I mean, that that's the flip side of the argument. Is I'm sort of speculating and and uh, you know talking theoretically about my perception that there's not as many kids that go to school here because of football games. Sure. But on the flip side of that, I could be a complete hypocrite and say, I know there's a bunch of kids going to school at Montana State because of the... It's not just because of the momentum of their football program, but it's indicative of the momentum of the university as a whole.
2: Uh, to some degree. I mean, we're still selling out the stadium That's right. oh, for week sure. and record-setting yep. season ticket sales. And so I, I don't think they're... You know, University of Montana and MSU is so far away from the scenario we just painted with Portland State. That's exactly right. So far away. And there's some structural reasons that the success that these two programs uh, have maintained can continue. And some reason to think it might, um, um, power might even consolidate, right? Because if you look at the Big Sky Conference, we're like, Montana Montana State, like we're toward the top of the con- uh, conference. We're one of the more powerful entities. Now, you know, how much growth is there to be had in the system? Uh, I'm not sure. Right. But with, with money leaving the system in general, um, I think there will be um, the shakeout period will come to other institutions before it comes to the big state schools here.
0: The Business Angle, Justin Angle in studio with us here on Nwaz Now is the overlay between business and sports presented by Blackfoot Communications. You want to see how Blackfoot can help you with your in-home or at-office networking? Visit goblackfoot.com. We went complete reverse order. I wanted to lead with Coach Prime, but all of a sudden we were talking about Taylor Swift. But uh, Deion Sanders has done nothing but raise and elevate the profile of Colorado football. They've tacked a bunch of smack, They've done a bunch of branding. Everybody's got commercials. They got Twitter handles on the practice jerseys. It's all fine and dandy. They started 3-0. Well, then they went to Autzen Stadium and got absolutely smashed last week by the uh, University of Oregon. That said, it, it, it seems like, though, the hype train continues. So, I mean, is, it a, is one of those deals where win or lose it doesn't matter as long as you keep on talking?
2: Well, I, I don't think it's quite that simple. I, I think that... Okay, so the Colorado's been an awful football program. That's right. So you can't really expect them to all of a sudden be a national, right. you know, a top-ranked team. Um, and their record today, like, didn't they have... They, they've won three games. That's more than they won last year, right? They're That's right. won two last That's year right. or something. That's right. and, and I think, too, the way that Coach Prime or Dion has positioned the team as, the, like, we're the outsiders. We're the people that everybody is... Root, you know, they sort of have this upstart... Um, overlooked uh, brand that they've cultivated well you know it seemed like after the first couple weeks like everybody was rooting for them right it's a little harder to maintain that outsider persona that us against the world persona if all of a sudden everybody's rooting for you yes and so yeah so maybe this is feeds into the narrative and that we go to uh, they go to Oregon lose big and now they're a bit like Now people are sort of jumping off the bandwagon and that becomes the narrative. Like all these people jumping off the bandwagon, you you just see like, you know, Dion spinning up a yarn about that. (laughs) And the other piece of this too, it's like, I just think that the potential for that program to be a powerhouse is, is a little unmatched in college football at the moment. I mean, if you were a young player, why would you not want to go play for Deion Sanders mm-hmm. in the era of NIL right? right and right. the transfer portal? Right. Like, he is a player who, uh, you know, as a player, he was able to achieve at the highest level of two sports. Yep on the field but at the same time cultivate a tremendous individual brand with power in the marketplace i mean what better person to to appeal to a a recruit in this era of of personal branding we can say i can make you a transcendent athlete i can put you on a team that wins championships but i can also help you get paid right monetize your personal brand because i know how to do it i've done it myself He, he he's done so many uh, he's he's done all the things that the people want to do these days
0: and now we're going to have this eternal struggle between nick saban and kirby smart saying hey you come here we will win you will be a part of a system and a part of this gigantic program and we'll put you in the nfl and then you can go get branded or you can go there and you can be branded right away and uh, who cares if you win or lose you'll still be famous across the country yeah i think the dion argument will win I, I totally agree. I don't know what I think of the Dion argument winning, but I totally agree with you. I do and I don't it win. think it I mean, I think we'd
2: be. I think you have to include race in the argument too. Yeah. Right. You know, the SEC. There's a. I mean, Tommy Tuberville as a coach came out of there. And look what he's doing in the Senate sure. right now. Right. Is that something that I think? many young black players want to aspire to? Do you want to go play for a person like that? And I'm I'm, I'm definitely like painting with a broad brush across the SEC coaching ranks, but there's a lot of characters like that. Yes, right. in In the leadership positions at those schools. And, you know, if Dion can offer you a pathway to as if not more success and you can identify with him on a personal level, I just think it makes a really powerful recruiting premise.
0: Well, it's now ESPN Radio, the business signal. We could keep going on and on, but we'll take a break. We'll probably readdress this next time Justin's in studio. But thanks for swinging by, man. Thank you. Cade McDonough, the first and only freshman to ever win the Class AA State Golf Championship. Now he's a senior. He's looking for number two. Missoula Sentinel's finest. will join us right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulte-law.com. One, two, three. New is now on ESPN Radio. One of my favorite tracks, a little uh, mass appeal, Gangstar here on New is now. It's ESPN Radio. SWX by Tad Television and the ESPN MT app. Our prep coverage continues. State golf at the AA level is coming up. The uh, divisional golf tournament was at the Bill Roberts Golf Course in Helena this last weekend. And Missoulians times two took home the divisional titles. Um, Kate McDonough of Missoula Sentinel, uh, the champion on the uh, boys' side, and uh, Anna Stensrud of Missoula Hellgate, the uh, champion uh, on the girls' side state tournament this weekend coming up at Lake Hills uh, in Billings. We are efforting Cade McDonough right now. Um, He is at practice currently um, at the Missoula country club. So uh, he'll join us here in just a quick minute, but this kid has a a really interesting story. One state championship as a freshman at Sentinel and, uh, then was 10th as a sophomore and then went on a cross-country journey, basically, to try to get recruited last year. So he wasn't playing tournaments in Montana. Well, he's playing some tournaments in Montana, but wasn't competing on the high school circuit, really. And got an offer from the University of Utah. That's where he's going next year. Now he's back. And uh, he tore it up last weekend, shot uh, 66-68 at Bill Roberts. So uh, certainly... um. Really, really impressive. Uh, these, you know, if you if you follow along on the show, you know, I'm a big time high school golfer, or not, not high school golfer. I'm a big time golfer. I did not golf in high school. That's probably why I'm not any good at golf. Still, <laughs> I'm I'm okay, but I'm not nearly as good as uh, these kids for sure. It's just so impressive to me to be able to be that good that young. It certainly um, takes a lot. I mean, it takes natural talent, it takes opportunity, uh, it takes great mental discipline takes some flair, and uh, it takes extreme mental concentration as well. But exposure is part of it too, right? If you start young, it gives you a huge advantage. And uh, no matter what it takes, though, uh, I'm just so impressed with, uh, with these kids uh, all the way uh, across the board. We're going to keep trying uh, to get Cade McDonough here on the show. In the meantime, I thought it was fascinating what, uh, what Justin Engel was talking about. I had not thought of the, the downsides of relegation, right, when it co- comes to college football, this reallotment of stuff. I'd only thought of maybe the upside for the uh, the schools that are, like, in the West that are searching for their place. But I hadn't really thought of, of the recruiting angle, what it might do uh, to all these various different roster constructions when everything can be uh, transfers, can go in anywhere and everywhere, and all this NIL and all of it. I don't know. It's very confusing. Um, we'll come back to that, though, because it sounds like we got Kate Kate McDonough joining us here on Nuan is Now ESPN Radio. He's a Missoula Sentinel senior, just won the Western AA Divisional, and one of the favorites coming into the state golf tournament this upcoming weekend in Billings. Kate, thanks for taking a minute, man. I know you're right in the middle of practice. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. We, we love having you, and we really appreciate you for chiming in here. First of all, just tell us about last week. 66-68 uh, sounds pretty good. I think most of our listeners would take that any day of the week, but you did it in a big-time tournament. So what was going well there in Helena last week? What would you think of your performance, and how were you able to string two amazing rounds together?
1: Yeah, um, so the first round was pretty good weather. So, um, And the course we were playing, Bill Roberts, is pretty gettable, so... Um, I just kind of played decent and then I think, yeah, 66, but, um, the second round was, it was pretty cold. It was like 40 degrees, rainy, um, pretty windy. So that day was all about staying dry, um, staying warm. So I exceeded my expectations of shooting 68 that day out. It took 72, 73, but Yeah.
0: When you're coming into a a, a tournament round like that, what's the mental preparation like? What are you going through in your head? Obviously, you're weighing the weather and sort of the circumstances around it. So how are you sort of making your game plan to attack the round?
1: Yeah, um, really one shot at a time. Um, The next shot's the most important shot. Um, And then just, like, try and stay away from stupid mistakes. And, you know, if you hit a bad tee shot or something like that, just try and get out of there with bogey. And um, I guess kind of pick out your birdie holes and um, kind of map those out and see like, okay, um, this is a pretty gettable hole. So try and birdie it or, you know, if it's a hard hole, try and get a par.
0: Well, just take us through your high school golf journey because you kind of you exploded onto the scene as a freshman winning the state tournament. I believe you're the first freshman to ever do it at the on the boys' side of Class AA. And now here you are as a senior. So, fill in the blanks for us. I mean, what's, what's this journey been like and uh, how you feel it now going into your last state tournament of your high school career?
1: Yeah. um, It's been so much golf. That's pretty much all I've done past four years. Um, And I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited for my senior year last tournament. Um, Just going to go out there
0: and try and do my best and, Try and have some fun well so much golf is right but wh- where does that where does that come from I mean wh- when did you first get introduced to the game and where does your love of the game come from
1: yeah um, so my dad was a club pro so I've been I've had a club in my hand since I could walk um, but I really started playing tournaments I, or I, I guess I started taking it seriously at probably around age 13 14 just playing like local junior tournaments and stuff like that. And then I really, I never won anything until uh, state my freshman year. And then after that, it kind of, my, I guess, golf game and um, just, like, jumped. So that's where I started playing and more, um, I guess, uh, traveling more for uh, tournaments and starting getting some looks from colleges and just all that stuff, yeah. Well,
0: that was kind of what... Your junior year was all about, right? Is this making the rounds and going all over the place to try to get exposure? Or do I have this right? Yep. As a high school kid, uh, what was that part like? I mean, uh, obviously a great opportunity and super cool for you. And like you said, you love playing golf. But then also, it, you know, maybe some stuff in Missoula that, you know, your friends are here, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, what was it hard on you? What did you think of just the whole experience of traveling all around and, and getting all that exposure?
1: Um, I mean, I had a great time. Um, so I took two visits to colleges, um, really found out where I wanted to go. Um, and I think that helped a lot because if I wouldn't have had, um, some time, I, or I guess I maybe would have, but, um, just that. And then, um, I guess I got to, um, see some Grizz games and stuff like that, which was fun. Go to some cat games,
0: What's well, awesome, and you settled on the University of Utah. So, what about the Utes? What about that program? What about Salt Lake City? Do you like? Yeah. Um, so, really, it was more of
1: like a long-term effect. Like, I was trying to pick a college where I feel like when I when I finish my four years there, I will have um, improved, and I felt like that was my best opportunity to, I guess, to play there. And just overall, like Salt Lake, I love Salt Lake. The football team's great. The athletics are great. So it was kind of hard not to pick them.
0: Well, it's certainly a, a, an awesome university. I think you're going to have a great time there. Cade McDonough, Missoula Sentinel, joining us here. Uh, on to on is now. Recently won the Western Double A Divisional Golf Tournament at uh, Bill Roberts Golf Course in Helena and getting prepared for the state tournament at Lake Hills uh, in Billings. What do you know about the course uh, that you're playing this weekend, Cade? Yeah, so I've played it once or I guess twice
1: Um, but that was probably five or six years ago so it's pretty blurry Um, but we have a practice round tomorrow so that helps a lot and I'll definitely be taking my time in the practice round and really figuring out where to hit it and where not to hit it Um, but from what I've heard it's a pretty, it's a shorter course um, maybe a little tighter uh, with the out of bounds and and, uh, stuff like that but the greens are, from what I've heard, are good, and its I've heard it's pretty gettable, so I'm excited. Y-
0: your mindset going into this? I mean, what would it mean to you, I guess is my question. What would it mean to you to, to cap your career with a state championship?
1: Uh, it would mean everything. Uh, to come in with a W and to leave with a W, that would be pretty sweet. Um, so that's that's what I'm focused on this week.
0: Well, we'll certainly be following along, and uh, congratulations on all your success already and the best of luck this weekend, man. Thanks so so much for taking a minute for us. Thank you. There you go, Cade McDonough, Missoula Sentinel, live from the practice uh, facility there at the Missoula Country Club. Appreciate Cade for uh, checking in with us, and the best of luck to him this weekend. And best of luck to all the golfers this weekend. I just think it's cool if there's a kid that gets a chance to sort of bookend it. I mean, he's, he is. He, it, it was a it was a uh, a huge breakthrough moment. For to see a 14-year-old kid win the double-A. I mean, I know Montana probably not known for its golf so much, but it's certainly improved a ton in recent years. And we've seen some pretty pretty reputable golfers come out of Montana, whether it's Riggs Johnson, who's down at Arizona State, or Joey Moore, who played at San Diego State. There's been some really good golfers that have come along. Uh, but But none of them... Had the breakout that this kid had, 14 years old, winning the AA State Championship. Well, then as a sophomore, uh, good year, but but didn't get a chance to repeat. And then he, you know, took himself on the tour all the way around, and, and now he has a, another chance to make a run at it. So, uh, pretty cool. Uh, I think it would be awesome if he was to go out and win it. But it'll be awesome for anybody and everybody that's going to go out and compete uh, in this tournament. So uh, once again, the uh, AA State Golf Championship. Tournament is at Lake Hills in Billings this weekend. So Prep Extra, the second one of the of the uh, the show, we did a Prep Extra football style, Prep Extra golf style, presented by Farmer's State Bank, Farmer's State Bank, enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Get you all set up for the rest of the week. nuance is now, ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. Oh! It's one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. More beer, or free beer that is. The Fall Rendezvous Brew Fest Friday afternoon at Karis Park. We got two more passes for you. Welcome back. Do you us now? ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Call us right now. 406-888-1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. Quickest to the draw. Two free passes to the Friday Brew Brewfest. Goes from 2 to 7 down there at Karis Park. Call right now. 406-888-1029. you uh, in the show today, All sorts of stuff. Prep scoreboard. Some insight from Ian Laird on Bozeman versus Gallatin, number one versus number two in high school football last week. Pete Hamill from Vertical Rays, gave away our latest Class AA Player of the Week. Also, our Treasure State stars. Justin Angle, the business angle, swung by to talk about college football relegation, what Taylor Swift can do to the branding and marketing efforts for the Chiefs, and the momentum or lack thereof for Colorado after getting whooped by Oregon. And we also heard from Cade McDonough. Was a little sentinel golfer, won the state championship as a freshman, now in pursuit of a state championship as a senior. All of it on the Noonis Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com, the M store where their auger is all the time, and the uh, MSU bookstore. Hey, big shout out to Shine Auto Detailing. They were just awarded the best detail shop in Missoula again, and it's no surprise. Shine has over 225 star reviews. That's actually more reviews than all the other detail shops combined. They're celebrating by giving the next three callers a free $50 gift card. Don't call us. though; call them. If you want a great experience with card detailing, call Shine Auto Detailing right now, 406-207-3599, and get your $50 gift card. That's 406-207-3599. Shine Auto Detailing. Call now. Congratulations to the Brewfest winner. I just heard Andrew on the phone. Uh, so uh, we'll keep giving away pairs of passes to those uh, throughout the, uh, the rest of the week. Some uh, breaking news here. Um, this just came out just like uh, about, seriously, a couple of minutes ago. The Lady Grizz have finalized their non-conference schedule for the the upcoming season. And uh, here's what it looks like. They'll play an exhibition against St. Martin's, a Division Two school out of uh, Olympia, Washington, on November 1st. Then they got Gonzaga coming to town. That's pretty impressive that they're going to have Gonzaga here uh, at Dahlberg Arena. That's on November 6th. they also got Washington State coming to town on November 14th. So that's also impressive. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, is part of a home-and-home. They've been to Gonzaga a couple times. Gonzaga's been here once before. Washington State, Brian Holsinger has a lot of ties there. They had coach of the Lady Grizz has some ties there at Washington State. Also, there's a big Sky tie there as well. Cami Etheridge, who formerly coached at Northern Colorado – uh, she is now at Wazoo. But that's still a big-time game to get a, a Pac-12 to come to Missoula. Grove's first non-conference uh, road game is at Grand Canyon on November 20th. They also have Dickinson State coming to town on November 27th, Loyola Marymount coming to town on December 6th, and Colorado State coming to town on December 9th. is then play in, uh, I, I think, uh, 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 some sort of a holiday tournament down in California. They have dates the 16th, the 20th, and the 21st against Cal Poly San Diego and UC San Diego. I don't know if that's uh, just three games in California, so they're just going to make a trip out of it. It must be because those, those dates are just a little bit too far apart to be an actual tournament. I'm just reading this off of Twitter, by the way. I haven't actually read the official press release. That also just hit the inbox. And then uh, South Dakota will play uh, in Missoula on January 3rd, and then they'll play at Nebraska Omaha January 6th as part of the Big Sky Summit Challenge. Um, And I am expecting those last two, the January games, to sort of be after. I think they'll probably open Big Sky play and then play a couple other non-conferences and then jump back into it. So uh, there you go. Maybe some more analysis on that tomorrow, but that's pretty good. I mean, it's actually incredibly good. Washington State, Colorado State, South Dakota, Gonzaga, all coming to town. That's uh, pretty impressive scheduling uh, by the Lady Grizz. Juan is now ESPN Radio. Uh, will you have a full, jam-packed lineup for you tomorrow? Sam Herter, Hero Sports, will join us to talk all things FCS. We'll also hear from Trayton Pickering, who caught two touchdowns uh, against Weber State. He's a senior tight end from Montana State. We'll hear from Mike Anderson, Grizz hockey coach. And we'll also have some Grizz hockey tickets for you leading up to the Grizz uh, home opener on Saturday evening. Our ESPN Roundtable, how about this? the illustrious return of the one and only Gus Toutel. Brian Toutel will be in studio with us. And uh, I'm just going to keep him for the whole second hour. We'll also hear from probably Chris Chudovitsky of the Grizz Soccer Team, so a jam-packed lineup for you. We'll see you then. Who on is now, ESPN Radio.